0: Whenever we hear these familiar passages from the gospel, some of these parables that we've heard since we were children, there's a bit of a danger in assuming we know what they mean. It's very easy to do, of course. This particular passage, the passage of the Good Samaritan, is so familiar that it's entered our consciousness as as an English-speaking people. We know what it means when somebody says to us, a Good Samaritan arrived on the scene. and We say, oh yes, of course, I know that. I know what that means. And if I were to ask you, I'm sure you could rehearse for me the meaning of this parable as you've received it. We all know it, it's very straightforward. That essentially Jesus is telling us that we ought to be neighbor to everyone, that we ought to be willing to treat all with mercy, whether we know them or not, whether we're connected to them or not. It's such a familiar passage. It begins, of course, with this scholar of the law, who is also somebody we know very well, the scholar of the law who wants to justify himself by asking a further question. We've all been in those meetings. We've all been in those, in those uh, conferences. We've all been in those classes where there's somebody who just has to make sure you know how intelligent they are and who may stand up during question time not to ask a question but just to give a comment. We all know this person. And if we are this person, confessions are on Saturday at 8.45, <laughs> also 3.30, top of the hour on Wednesday. And Jesus sets him down beautifully, puts him back in his place by telling him, in fact, you are asking the question falsely. You are not to ask, who is my neighbor, but rather, to whom can I be a true neighbor? Very straightforward. But of course, with all of the parables of our Lord and all the passages of the gospel, they mean so much more. They mean so much more. And every parable that Jesus preaches has its own moral object, for certain, but they all point to Jesus himself. They all point to our Lord himself. And he is the answer to every parable. When the ancient Christians would read this, when we would look at uh, people like St. Athanasius or St. Augustine back in the three and 400s, they would read this very differently. They would explain this parable not by saying simply the literal meaning that we are to be neighbor to all because of Christ's command, though that is true, certainly true, but rather that Christ is the center of the parable. They would read it this way. They would hear that a man fell victim to robbers as he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And they would immediately think, well, Jerusalem is the city of God, and Jericho is the pagan city of the world without God. So if somebody's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, first they're going downhill out of the mountains, down towards the Dead Sea. So they're going down to begin with. And they're going out of the city of God into the city of the world without God. They're leaving the Lord. And as they fall victim to robbers, what could that be but sin? Of course that is sin. The person who falls victim to robbers is all of us, the whole human race, turning away from God in the beginning, fell victim to sin and lay beaten and wounded, lying dead by the side of the road, or near it anyways. And then a priest and a Levite come by, well what is that but the old law? All of the old sacrifices of the temple, all of the following of the commandments, could that? really save a person from sin and Jesus in the parable is saying not quite it's not able to help this man who was wounded by the side of the road by sin but then somebody unexpected comes along a Samaritan and the fathers of the church the ancient Christians who would preach on this would immediately say that is the Lord that is Jesus Christ Because he came unexpectedly from a place that no one would have thought. He did not come from the center of imperial Rome. He did not come from the schools of Athens learned in philosophy. He did not come from Jerusalem as a member of a high priestly family. But came out of Nazareth. A place from which no one thought any good could come. And this unexpected traveler can actually do something for the human race wounded by sin. And what does he do? He pours oil and wine into the wounds of this person. And the ancient Christians will say, well, that's the moment of conversion. That's when Christ calls us away from our sins that we might turn to him. Because what happens? The wine with its alcohol poured into the wounds stings. It burns. But it also cleans and washes and kills whatever was in there. We've all had cuts with hydrogen peroxide. Unfortunate, painful, but very beneficial. Cleansing, truly cleansing. They would see the wine and they would say, this is the sting of repentance. Because we all know, all of us who have ever turned away from a sin or have been willing to admit it to somebody have experienced that sting of conscience when we know I've done wrong and I need to turn back to the Lord. Of course that hurts a little, it stings. I know it as well as you do. But it cleans too. It flushes the wound and clears it, everything that would get it infected. And in fact, we know if we don't clean out the wound with something that will hurt a little bit, it gets infected and it gets worse. But then what else does the Samaritan pour into the wounds? He pours oil and oil is for comforting for soothing, for strengthening. And of course we know once we turn away from our sins and once we face them and bring them to the Lord, he immediately, as soon as we've repented, as soon as we've gone through that initial sting, he immediately pours on the oil of comfort, forgiveness, consolation and soothing and healing and strengthening that the wound might truly heal. Then what? The Samaritan takes this wounded man and sets him on the back of his own animal. And the early Christians would say, did not Christ take us on his own flesh? Didn't he take all of us on his own body when he went to the cross? That's what's going on there. And then what? He gives it to an inn. Well, the inn is the church. That Christ brings this wounded person in the process of healing from their sins into the inn of the church and entrusts them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him and gives him for his maintenance two coins. And the fathers love to read things allegorically, so they would look at these coins and say, well, that could be so many things. That could be the Old and New Testaments. That could be the command to love God and love neighbor. That could be a million things. The point is that Christ provides the church with all of the means to take care of somebody who is healing from their sins. And finally, he says, I will come back. I will come back for him. I will come back for the human race whom I have given to the church. And then fully healed, I will take him home. So all of a sudden, a parable that normally just tells us to be nice to our neighbors is the entire story of Jesus Christ coming for the human race to save us from sin, to heal us and bring us home. Much deeper, much deeper. In essence, what has happened? This proud man has asked, Who is my neighbor? to stump our Lord. And the Lord gives him a twofold answer. One, you are to be neighbor to everyone. But the true answer is, Who is my neighbor? I, the Lord God, am your neighbor. I, Christ, am your neighbor, and I choose to be your neighbor. I choose to come close to you and to live with you and dwell with you and heal you as your true neighbor, because you have not had a true neighbor yet until I come to you. And we see that. We see that here in the church whenever we come, that our God has become our neighbor and lives in a house in our neighborhood. has come close to us to speak to our heart, to call us from our sins, to feed us, to nourish us, and he leaves his house every time we come to Holy Mass, to come and minister to us in Holy Communion whenever we receive it well. And in the same house, what does he do? In the confessionals, he pours wine into our wounds and oil after the wine so that we can truly heal. If the Lord has decided to be our neighbor, then we have nothing to fear and everything to hope. And when he tells us to go and do likewise, to show mercy to our neighbor, it is not just because he has decided that, would, that is what's good and commands us to do it, He tells us, go and do likewise because He has already done this to us. He says, go and do for others what I have first done for you. Call them home. Call them back to me. Christ calls us all home. All we have to do so with humility of heart take him at his word and follow